Hey everybody, this is Matilda Aguera-Cooper and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. On today's episode, I want to discuss the rising cost of living in the UK and how we can navigate it so it doesn't compromise our well-being. Because if you remember from season one, I looked at the topic of financial wellness with my homegirl Melanie and how our relationship with money can really influence the way we feel about ourselves as well as our ability to take control of our lives. This time, I want to take things one step further and get practical with Tolu Frimpong, a financial coach and content creator who's passionate about helping women break the payday-to-payday cycle. Her story of how she managed to clear her 36K debt is so inspiring. So we'll be discussing how, despite the cost of living crisis, you can still continue to move towards your financial goals. Thank you, girl, for coming onto the Finesse Your Wellness podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Matilda. I'm really good, actually. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on here. I'm really excited for this conversation today. Oh, amazing. I mean, as we kind of spoke before, I've just been following you on the gram for a minute and you are really shaping to be like this awesome financial guru that everybody needs to follow. Um, But before we get into all of that, I just kind of wanted to start from just your early lessons about money. Like, is money something that you were always into? What was it like kind of as a kid? Oh, gosh. Okay, let's go back down memory lane to my childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so childhood-wise, I would say I learned about money from my parents, but not because they specifically taught me lessons about money, but more from observation. So I knew from quite young that, not that we were poor, but that we didn't have an excess amount of money. And I know that was often a um, cause for contention in the house and things like that. There was always things to do with finances and not being able to afford certain things. So I know like things like certain school trips, for example, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give my parents the lessons because I know I'm not going. So it was cool. I knew I I wasn't going. So things of that nature, but we didn't want for anything in terms of the necessity. So there was always food on the table. There was always clothes on our back, not necessarily the clothes I wanted to wear or the shoes (laughs) I wanted to wear. So like things like night trainers, for example, they were just a dream of mine for so long. And I still remember the first pair that my parents bought for me in year seven. So yeah, that, (laughs) that was a big deal for me. So I think growing up for me, money, I knew that we didn't have a lot of it and I knew you had to work hard for your money because I saw my parents constantly working but it never seemed like we had much money so I think that's the mentality or the mindset I had around money in my formative years it was just that money is this thing that you need but it's so hard to get your hands on. Sure so then did that influence what you decided to do as far as a career? Um, do you know what? In terms of career, I don't think <laughs> I was the most ambitious career-wise. So in terms of a lot of people growing up, like my friends and stuff, they knew that, oh, when I'm old, I want to be this or I want to be that. I just kind of winged it in terms of, okay, these are the grades I got at college. So these are the subject choices I have at university. And marketing was one of the subjects that I enjoyed and I knew I wanted to pursue a career in that. But I never necessarily knew how much money I could make pursuing that career so it was never money that drove me into the career path that I pursued but in terms of finances at uni I think is when I really first realized that money you can get access to money even if you're not good with money so 
I remember at Freshers' Fair, they had uh, people going around for the different banks mm-hmm. and the opportunity Cards. to exactly for credit cards. <laughs> All I was hearing at the time was free money. They were like, yeah, just come here, sign here, and you can get access to like over £1,500. And for me, that's all I heard, pound signs. And yeah, it just was like, finally, from not having no money, for thinking that money's so hard to get, to all of a sudden I can just have this free money. And yeah, that, <laughs> that's kind of how I ended up there. Yeah, I mean, that is so relatable because, I mean, similar to you, I didn't choose my career based on the salary, it was just, okay, media, journalism, I really love it. And then growing up, I don't remember any explicit money lessons with the exception of it's hard to get, but if you get a job, you can make some. But funnily enough, the minute I went to uni, that was probably my first experience of debt because your girl was living in that overdraft. Like it was, <laughs> it was just my money. I was constantly living in credit. And it got to a point where I had to, or at least in debt, but it got to a point where I had to ask myself, you kind of need to get out of this cycle. I mean, what was your initial experience of debt? Okay. Yeah. So I guess I touched on it a second ago in terms of me getting the um, student credit card, but also the overdraft as well. So like what you just mentioned, that was my story. The overdraft just automatically got added to my student account. So you imagine. it appears in your account it's just it's just extra money so let's say my balance was 500 it would just show available balances at 1500 yep. or 2000 pounds so for me i have 2000 pounds and i have to spend it <laughs> and i had that attitude to money at the time cuz money was so scarce to me i was that person that because i didn't have money when i did have it i had to spend it in case there was no money coming again mm-hmm. i know some people with similar backgrounds to myself they end up the opposite where they just hoard money and they don't want to ever spend it because they have that mindset as that mindset of that, that money could just disappear at any time. So it depends on where you kind of, where you kind of sit on that. But for me, it was definitely spend all that money. So that's how I first got into debt. It was the credit card and overdraft. Those at uni, I went to uni in Birmingham. So we had a boring, which was like a shopping Mm. And what they would do, so Freshers Week, for example, they had all these promotions for students and you get student discounts. So it was just like the temptation was just so <laughs> overwhelming. I've yeah. been handed all of this money and now I can buy all the things that I've always wanted to buy that I've never been able to afford. So it was just a recipe for disaster. So yeah, I just was swipe, swipe, swiping that card. And I think not having tangible money as well mm-hmm. made it much easier to separate myself from that purchase. So I would just, yeah, swipe, swipe recklessly, obviously going out, keeping up with your friends as well. So eating out a lot as well, because we didn't really, I didn't know how to cook back then really. So I was always <laughs> buying takeaway or just, yeah, just the money just went so quickly. I can't actually tell you what I spent all that money on because I don't Same. have any of it now. I didn't even <laughs> have any of it soon after the debt was accrued. It just kind of, you buy an outfit, you wear it, and these are disposable clothes anyway. So it's like they don't last or stand the test of time. So yeah, know. I just, I wasted that money, man. <laughs> I blew through that money and I ended up finishing uni with my credit card debt and my um overdraft debt. Right. So then fast forward to adulthood, you're working, you get married, you ended up racking up 36K debt. Was that including your previous debt or was this like a brand new debt? No. Okay. So there's a bit of a gap between those two debts. So when I came out of uni, as much as I 
was in all of that debt at the time, I knew that it wasn't something I wanted to stay in. So that was something that my parents had always avoided. So as much as money was tight, they were very good at living within their means. Mm-hmm. So that whole concept of being in debt, I, it wasn't comfortable for me. So as soon as I graduated and I got a graduate job, I worked hard to kind of pay it all off. So I did good. I like literally became debt free after a few years. And then, yeah, fast forwarded to marriage. <laughs> me and my husband, we got married. Everything was fine. We didn't really have debts between us. I think he had his overdraft and I still had some of mine actually because we met not too long after I graduated. Mm. So before when we got married, that was like the first thing we focused on doing is both of us together kind of paying off all our debts because we knew that it was important to kind of start on a good financial foundation. But cost of living even back then right. <laughs> was high. It's crazy to think about it, but even at that time, this was what, 12 years ago, it was still expensive. So all our money was going on living expenses and we just weren't able to save at the rate we wanted to save. So we ended up moving back in with my in-laws. So we moved in there for a time. That was, <laughs> it was supposed to be a year, ended up being three years that Dang. we moved them to save that deposit to buy our house. And so that's kind of where the debt started. So once we bought our house, there was issues with the house. I'm going to try and fast forward through the story. <laughs> it's a bit of a long one. But essentially, when we bought the house, we had saved up all the money we needed for the deposit, for the stamp duty, surveyor fees, all the expenses that you need to buy a house we had saved. But the only issue was between us putting in the offer, it being accepted and us then getting the keys was about a year because there was issues with the people that were selling. And within that time, I don't know what they did to the house, but the <laughs> house was literally a wreck oh, by wow. the time we got it. And it wasn't even a case of, you know, just moving and kind of manage it. it the kitchen roof had collapsed. Oh, <laughs> it, was, okay. it was literally a wreck. It was crazy. And in hindsight, looking back, probably what we could have done is just paused and maybe pulled out of that cell mm. or we could have maybe just fixed the things that were the biggest priority as opposed to like doing a full refurbishment which is what we fast forward went on to do so right. we thought to ourselves how are we gonna still move into this house with no money because all our money is gone to get this house right so we're like okay let's take out a loan so we said we'll go to the bank and take a loan a refurbishment loan and we had a plan when we took out that loan as to how we was going to pay it back because up until that point we didn't have any debt so we were doing good Mm. we were using only our money but once we had literally no money left and we still needed to sort the house out we're like okay how can we access other financing options so yeah we did the refurbishment loan but the problem when you take out loans or just money that's not your own is you spend it in a way you wouldn't when it's your own money (laughs) yes it just feels like free money yeah, that's that's literally what happened. That plus, obviously, um, what these people called, um, you know, the contractors, the people that do mm-hmm. the house, the um, surveyors, carpenters, and no, 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 oh. the people that did the work on the property, right? They would, like underestimate the prices of things. So one sure. minute they're telling you a thousand, and then they add things as they they start doing the. So the job just spiraled out of control. So the first loan ended up running out. So then we took out a second loan, and then that was enough. But that in itself was a, a lot of money. Mm. And we were like, how are we going to pay this off? We had a plan, though, that we were going to get lodgers to live with us. And mm, they would offset the cost. Exactly. On paper, it made sense. It's like, <laughs> oh, they will basically cover the loan repayments and we'll just pay the mortgage as normal. But the problem was we weren't able to get these lodgers that we planned to get. Wow. Nobody wanted to live with us because at the time I had a toddler and I was pregnant with my second son. 
And once they found that out, every time people would come to see the property, as soon as they heard that, they're like, no, we don't live with you kind of thing. So we didn't end up getting a lodger. So we ended up having that debt to pay off, plus cover the cost of our mortgage. And if that wasn't enough, we then were just spending money on credit cards as well, because then we didn't have the loans anymore, but we still needed to pay for other things. Life was just getting more expensive. We obviously had a baby on the way. And yeah, we went on holiday as well. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, let me just, I know what I got, but I'm still (laughs) enjoy. I started to live my life, right? So yeah, it's just wild when I look back on how we were living at the time, because yeah, we just didn't have the money for all the things we were trying to do. But rather than facing the situation head on, we were just making the situation worse by mm. acquiring even more debt. We we're just looking left and right as to where we could get more money to pay for the additional things we need to do, rather than kind of sitting down and looking at our finances and trying to make it work. Yeah, because I'm I'm curious to know what impact did that have on like your mental health and well-being? I mean, do you know what? For me... And for my husband at the time, actually, we buried our head in the sand a lot. Right. So it was like every time, you know, when you have something, it's like, okay, it reminds me of the time when we was at uni. And you know, you could be sitting there watching a show, but you've got an assignment. (laughs) Yeah, it's like procrastination. Yeah. When you know that this thing is in the background, I need to do this, but you're not sorting it out. You're just ignoring it and you still feel it, feel it in your gut. Like, oh, I need to do this. Like, So that's, that's kind of how we lived, like literally for a year or so where it was like, this is too much, but rather than facing it, we just kind of ignored it and just buried our head in the sand and just continued to find ways to get extra money to kind of make it look like we were okay, even when we weren't okay. Mm. So then what was the wake up call? What was the moment where both you and your husband were like, okay, we need, we need to like come out of the sand now. (laughs) We need to shake it off and we need to face this on. Yeah. So I would say that it happened my husband was the one actually initially came across a book by an author named Dave Ramsey and it's called Yes, OG Money Management Guru. Listen, that book literally saved our lives because I don't know where we would be today if he didn't come across that book. I don't know. I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it would have been very peak for us. But he came across that book by Dave Ramsey and usually because around that time he was getting into books anyway. So he would always tell me about these books that he's read. But I don't know what it was about that book in particular that made me also read it. Because he'll always be like, oh, you need to read this book. You need to read this book. But I'll be like, okay, cool. But not actually follow through. <laughs> but that one in particular, I actually sat down and read it. And I was just like, wow, this is what we need. We need a total money makeover. Because yeah. up to that point, we were like literally having months where we didn't pay our mortgage on time. And then the way it used, used to work is they try and take the money today, for example. And then if it doesn't go through, it tries again like 10 days later. And so we, it would be on the second attempts that we would make the payment. But if you didn't make that second payment, then it ends up as a default. And if you have like three of those, you can lose your house. Wow. So we were getting that close to like the point of, okay, we could literally lose everything we've spent all this, these years on all our life savings working for. And it was like, no, we need to, something needs to give here. So the fact that he came across that book around that time, like I literally think it was God because it was like divine intervention that he came across that book at that time because it's literally what we needed. So what are the main principles of the money makeover? So the total money makeover is a money and I would say mindset makeover as well. So for in putting it simply, he basically 
Dave Ramsey's philosophy is all about living below your means. So it's all mm. about being accountable to yourself and being realistic with what you can achieve financially and taking responsibility and accountability for your financial mistakes. So I think for us, it was just that opening our eyes to see that we have put ourselves in a situation. We are responsible for getting ourselves out of that situation and we cannot just ignore it. It's not going to go away unless we do something drastic because it, what we were doing to get to that point wasn't working. So we needed to do something very dramatic in order for things to change. So it was looking at our finances and seeing how we can make changes. So creating a budget. Up until that point, if you had asked me if I budgeted, I would have said yes, because I kind of mm-hmm. understood how much I had coming in and going out. So therefore I have a budget. That's but- not the budget. I'm telling you, that's what gets me every time. <laughs> Just <laughs> monitoring the money rather than... <laughs> There you go. Instead of getting in front of it and being intentional, exactly, you just kind of wing it, which is what we had done up until that point. But it was the first time where we sat down and looked at our expenses. So that's one of the steps in the process that he told you to do is look at your expenses over the last few months. And I think that for us was a very big eye opener because it was like, whoa, what have we been doing? Mm. Like we've literally just been wasting so much money and not even realizing that we had been wasting so much money on to the, until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the fact that with what you learned from Dave Ramsey, you have now been able to kind of pay that forward because I suppose, spoiler alert, you do get to pay off the debt, praise the Lord. <laughs> um, and then you've now kind of evolved into this financial coach. And if I'm correct, you dropped your ebook in the pandemic, The 10 Steps yes, to Debt Freedom. Yeah, yeah. So then how have you been able to to make that sort of transformation in your own life? Yeah, I know. It's actually, it's so crazy when I think about where I am now versus where I was five years ago. Because if you had told me this is what I'd be doing work-wise or that I'll just be in a position I am talking about money every day, it would be crazy to me because I did financial accounting as a module at uni and failed that module. Because <laughs> I was numbers. Like maths, that was not my thing at all. Wow. But, I think going on the journey that we went on to pay off our debt and knowing how it felt at the time to be crippled by debt and the shame of it and the stigma around it and just isolated the isolation we felt at the time. When I was finally able to come out of it, I was like, no, 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 I can't just experience all of this and not help others to mm. experience transformation because, you know, like it's like salvation, I guess it's the same thing. Like once you've experienced it, it's mm. like, how can I not tell other people about what what I've experienced because it's so good so I think for me it was like no it would be very selfish for me to have learned all of what I've learned about money being able to pay off the debt I've paid off transform my finances and my mindset and everything and then not show other people that this option is available to you too so that's kind of what led me down the path to um, sharing about finances online and it was also a selfish reason as well it was accountability because Mm. it's one thing getting out of debt is another thing staying out of debt (laughs) and I didn't want it to be that we've paid off all this debt and then five years later we're back where we started because old habits die hard I wanted to be accountable on my journey to financial independence so yes we paid off debt but the journey doesn't end there we're now trying to build our streams of income we're now trying to pay off our mortgage we're now trying to invest and grow our wealth and all the rest of it so I thought it would be really good to kind of document that journey online and share it with others to see if it inspires other people to want to do so 
So the financial coaching kind of came as a byproduct of all of that that I was doing online because I didn't set out to be coaching people with their finances. But I guess because of all the knowledge that I'm sharing, people are like, oh, can you help me as well? Or wanting to ask questions beyond just the content that I've shared on my page. And that's kind of, yeah, how we ended up where we are today. And it's just been amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's been amazing to follow. So what are the common questions you get asked as a money coach? Common questions I would say is how do I do it? How do I stick to the budget? Because it's one thing creating that budget. It's another thing following through on it. So I think that's a big challenge that people have. Getting started is also an issue that people have because people are like, my finances are a mess. I just don't know how to do it. And it's every time I get that question, it makes me think, oh, have you not been reading the content that I've been posting? (laughs) It's like... It's one thing like just seeing the post here and there, but actually having someone kind of walk you through it, like looking at your situation where you are now and where you're trying to get to and kind of help you map that journey out, I guess is a a little bit more helpful than just seeing these ad hoc posts saying, you know, five ways to start a budget or wherever else they see on my feed. So, yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that completely. And I suppose in your book, you talk, there's a few concepts that you talk about, one of them being sinking funds. Um, Can you kind of explain what that is? And I suppose how it kind of relates to the current situation we are in now with the cost of living crisis. Yes, certainly. Yes, sinking funds. Oh, I love a sinking fund. So sinking fund is essentially a savings pot towards an expense that is irregular. So for example, Christmas is one I like to always talk about where it's coming up in December once a year, but it's quite a big expense to just pay for out of December's pay. And I know up until the point of me starting to use sinking funds, I used to be that person that in December, Christmas, yeah. all it has come out of that pay. And then that's why we always joke about January being the longest month of the year <laughs> because we've spent all, all the money that we're supposed to use for January in December. And obviously you get paid a week early as well. So it just makes it so much longer. Whereas if if you plan ahead, so you know Christmas is coming, it doesn't change. It's the same time every single year. If we say from January to November, I'm, let's say, for example, let me do simple maths. Remember I said maths is not my strongest subject. <laughs> let's say you need £1,100 to pay for your Christmas expenses. I guess that would be quite a nice Christmas, to be fair. For Christmas, <laughs> yeah. for Christmas dinner, whatever else you're going to spend at Christmas. Then each month from January, you want to be putting £100 a month into a pot, a separate savings pot for Christmas. So I like to use Monzo, but Mm. you can literally do it with physical savings, like piggy banks, literally people do that as well. Or you can do it on your HSBC account, open like different accounts Mm. and different things and literally just put that money aside each month from your budget to go towards that expense. So then come December, you now have that money ready, that 1,100, which you saved up. And it just makes life so much easier throughout the month so that there's not so much pressure when that time for that expense comes. But it doesn't even just have to be things like Christmas. It could be, let's say, a holiday you want to go on or you want to buy a new car rather than just impulsively just spending the money on a credit card and then coming back from the holiday and having to pay it all off and long, long, long after you've done finished the enjoyment, you could save up towards it instead. Nice. And um, I also love the fact that you highlight sort of kind of five key areas for reducing expenses, food, subscriptions, utility bills, takeaways, and self-care. I wanted to kind of touch on the self-care because I feel like that's probably the one area where we could either be super indulgent 
or it might get neglected because of obviously Mm. we got to (laughs) eat. So how do you kind of manage to still prioritize self-care when you are trying to be shrewd with your money? Yes, so definitely. I think it is a balance. And again, it goes back to having that budget and having your categories, being realistic with what you can afford to do. So let's say, for example, you have £200 that you can budget towards self-care every single month. If if your wig alone costs £200 and you've got no more money left to do everything else you need to do. So it's just about getting creative with how can I still achieve the same result for less? So maybe this month I'm buying the wig, but next month, instead of getting a new wig, I'm going to wash the one that I've got already or revamp it or do something different to it so that that money I can then use towards maybe my spa treatment or get my nails done. Or if you're used to maybe go into a particular nail tech that you pay, let's say £50 for, maybe find an alternative one that costs less that you can go to instead. So I think it's kind of finding creative ways to achieve the same result for less so like I remember I was watching Dragon's Den last week actually and um, one of the judges on Dragon's Den Sarah mm-hmm. she was talking about her outfit for the show so I don't know if you know Dragon's Den it's a um, mm. show on or one I think some people see one mm-hmm. and it's a panel of judges and these are multi-millionaires basically and this woman was talking about her outfit that she was wearing that day that she rented for £25. And I just thought, mm. wow, here we have a multimillionaire who is renting her outfit to be on TV. So I'm mm. like, okay, if she's, that's how she's a millionaire, right? Because she's Facts. creative. I'm like, it just humbled me. When I heard her say that, I was like, wow, like, and there's me like, I could, how can I be wearing something that somebody else has worn? Yeah, <laughs> this woman that could afford to buy it a hundred times over. She's just like, yeah, why do I need to buy it? I'm still going to get that same result. I still get to wear and enjoy this outfit. And when I finish with it, somebody else can enjoy it and I get to keep my money. Mm. And so she's thinking of creative ways to achieve the same results, but at a fraction of the price. Yes, love that. And that's a good tip too. Um, So to that point, the thinking of the creative ways, you are undeniably a busy woman, soon to be mother of four, wife. You know, how do you find the time to prioritize your money management and to do this kind of thinking and strategizing? Oh, for me, it's not even, there's no other option. It has to be done. Like finances is a big part of kind of the running of our household so I know me and my husband are quite neaky we're quite nerdy <laughs> in that we have date nights yeah dedicated to going through the budget and going through finances and vision planning and setting up priorities for the month for, for the quarter and kind of reevaluating how we're doing so yeah we're a bit nerdy in that respect but for me it's not a chore for me it's like like I said it's essential I have three children one on the way I'm about to go on maternity leave and it's statutory maternity leave. So the pay is very low. So I can't afford not to be on top of the numbers and be planning ahead, thinking about how I'm going to accommodate this new child, but not having to spend a fortune in doing so. So for me, it's just the ongoing thing. I'm just always thinking, how can I be creative with my finances so that I don't want my kids to struggle through life the way I necessarily struggled as much when I was younger. My parents didn't come all the way from Nigeria to give us a better life for me to now make my kids struggle through life. So I think keeping all of those things at the forefront of my mind makes it an essential thing that these financial conversations have to be had on a regular basis. And to be honest, I enjoy it. Like, because for us, it it gives us direction on the journey because it's like, okay, this is where we're heading for. So it's, it's less 
temptation to be distracted by momentary things because there's always a bigger picture that we're working towards. Yeah, definitely. I think having that financial goal in mind is is absolutely crucial. Um, I thought it was interesting you mentioned that 10, 12 years ago, the cost of living was high back then. And actually, I have a theory that we've probably always been in a cost of living crisis, but we're probably so much more conscientious of what is happening. And then, of course, we've, you know, with the war and coming out of the pandemic, you know, things are explicitly high, but it definitely feels like people are, you know, I think conversations about money feel a little bit more normal now. So many people are coming out with books. There's so many people to follow on the gram. Um, You know, what would you say is probably a few things people should be aware of with cost of living in mind? What are kind of those quick wins um, to just help people navigate and not feel kind of overwhelmed? Because actually, just just to tell you something, I got a bill or at least I got a notice from my uh, electricity company recently saying, oh, just next month, just FYI. Um, yeah, your uh, sort of monthly direct debit is changing and it's going to be £200 more. And I'm like, scoot, 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 scoot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so ju- just like that, just an extra £200 a month. And it made me think, okay, Matilda, you're going to have to think about that because that £200 is going to have to come from somewhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess just to reframe the question, what are the things that people should be kind of hyper aware of and maybe kind of tips or hacks that can help them with this cost of living? Yeah, it's actually crazy right now. And it's funny that we're in the position we're in because when I think back to the advice I was giving people maybe two years ago, it's had I've had to adapt it now because the reality is creating a budget to me two years ago was the thing that would transform your finances. But now it's not enough. Creating a budget it can help you so far, depending on how you are with your money, right? It can it can carry you some way. So if you're like one of those impulse spenders, you literally are not on top of your finances, you're spending like, I don't know, £50 a week just on coffees, straight away it's easy to kind of see where you can make those savings in order to free up money to put towards other financial priorities. But even if I take myself and put myself in the equation, my budget a year ago and now it's crazy. The, hmm. the difference is crazy. Like I've always kind of lived below, way below my means. So I've always lived, I say I've always, but since coming out of debt, I've always lived below my means. So I know my income, I know my expenses, I know where all my money's going at all points. But when you're getting, like you just said, you get the energy prices going up 200, food prices going up 200, everything's going up hundreds, hundreds, hundreds. Hmm. There's only so much cutting back you can do. So I think at this point, it is about being proactive about finding additional ways to make money as well. So yes, mm. you can make cutbacks, but that's only going to take you so far at this point because the way these expenses are out of control is crazy and pay rises are not rising at the same at rate. All. At all. Exactly. That's why we're seeing all of these public service workers striking because it's insane. <laughs> like you're going to strike because... How are you going to expect me to afford all of these additional costs on the same money that I was getting five years ago? Right. are not the same. So it is about thinking about creative ways to increase your income. So, for example, if you've been in a job for the last two, three, four, five years and, you know, you're just comfortable in that position, it is time to start thinking about how can I get out of here and get more money elsewhere? So, yeah. What- and if you're in a position where you think, you know, I've been doing the same job, I haven't added skills to myself, so there's nowhere else I can go. Okay, 
you've got the rest of the year to kind of think about what can you do to add value to yourself so that you can be in a position maybe six months from now to apply for a new role that is paying you more so that you can get your income up. Because the reality is, yeah, just cutting back, there's only so much we can do at this point. The costs are actually crazy. Yeah. And I love the fact that, you know, you're so practical and pragmatic because I think to your point, you were in a time where we almost don't have a choice. <laughs> like we yeah. genuinely need to kind of, you know, make this a priority, make it a even just a habit and, you know, get our heads out of the sand. No, literally. I know that's probably not what people want to hear because, <laughs> yes, like I said, there's so many things you can do to make savings. Like, you know, you can switch from shopping at Waitrose to shopping at Tesco's to then maybe shopping at Audi and Lidl and all these things. And these are all things that I've done, which is why I'm saying what I'm saying now, because it's like when you've made all the cutbacks that you can possibly make and you're still seeing that each month your disposable income is going down, there's nothing else you can do. Like, what do you want me to do? Not feed my children. <laughs> it's the point where, okay, I need to actually make extra money. And yes, of course, there are like services that you can get. So that you've got like food banks in your local areas and things like that, that you can take advantage of. But aside from like the services, the, the way like the government help that's available in terms of what we can do for ourselves, I think it is looking at ways to increase our income. So if it's not getting a promotion, then starting a side business, is also something you can do investing as well if that's something you've never done maybe now is the time to start considering investing and when I say investing I'm not telling you to go take out crypto and all of those <laughs> things because that is very risky stuff but just literally index funds investing things of that nature is what I would say to start looking at doing because it's about growing our money this year that is what my number one advice would be yes create that budget be pragmatic with how you're spending your money but also Think about how you can get your income up. Nice. Thank you. And so final question, in the midst of everything, you know, uh, collection of purse strings and, you know, just being so intentional, how do you manage to still finesse your wellness? You know what, if you had asked me this question, like, a year ago, I'd say very badly. And to be fair, it's it's still something I'm working on, but I've said as one of my visions for 2023 I need to really prioritize my well-being and my wellness and doing things for myself outside sorry I've got a sore throat that's why I'm even forgive me I don't know how this is translating on audio but yeah yeah I think for me I'm really trying to make that time for myself in terms of going for walks I know that sounds like such a basic thing but it makes a difference having time by myself away from the kids and just being able to clear my head it really helps being able to find time to read like just sit down and read a book but not necessarily like a motivational book or self-help book which I usually read but just actually reading stories I've just started doing that again recently and it's like oh wow I've forgotten how much I enjoy just escaping reality and reading yeah interesting stories so I think, yeah, those are the things that I do, I'd say, to finish my wellness. But I still need to do a lot more work on it this year because I've said what I want to do this year is to go on solo dates. Mm. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not brave. I'm not brave enough. Like, really? Go to the cinema to see the new Whitney Houston movie. I chicken out of it. <laughs> so oh, I really... I'm the queen of solo dates, but then I don't know if that's just because of my status <laughs> as it currently stands. But I love me a solo date. It, it, it can be cute. Yeah, no, I really, really, really want to do more of that this year. So it's definitely something I need to squeeze in at least two 
before the baby comes because I know it's going to be a lot harder. Oh, bless you. Well, Tolu, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out more about just your financial insights and advice and experiences? Um, So it's quite easy to find me, actually, because my name is like, I'm self-titled on my Instagram and my website and YouTube and things like that. So it's literally Tolu Frimpong on Instagram. My website is tolufrimpong.com on YouTube. Search Tolu Frimpong and I come up. And yeah, those are places you can literally find me. So if you want to book um, financial coaching, all of that, it's available on my website. Brilliant. Thank you so much, girl. Thank you so much for having me, Matilda. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And congratulations again on the podcast because I love what you're doing with Flag. Ah, thank you. Sometimes money advice can sound so obvious, but I'm thankful to coaches like Tolu who can remind us of the things we can do to get our house in order. So here are my top three takeaways. Number one, there are always better and probably cheaper alternatives. I know for me, it's way too easy to spend for spending's sake, but assessing what you really need and the best way to fulfill that need could actually be what it takes to save more money and to get to your financial goals quicker. Number two, budgeting is a good start, but it might not be enough. We now live in a time of our lives where there are so many ways to bring in extra income, whether that's starting a side hustle or maybe looking for a new role. Just make a decision to find another income stream and do the research to see the opportunities that might just be around the corner. And finally, number three, look for answers. Tolu came across Dave Ramsey's book, which I'd also highly recommend because it changed my perspective on money as well as how to get to my financial goals. It's also worth getting a money coach who can sit down with you and help you figure out how to move forward. And on that note, Tolu comes highly recommended. So that's it for this episode of Finesse Your Wellness, brought to you by Fly Girl Collective, a space for Black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Fly Girl Collective on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, or sign up to our mailing list at flygirlcollective.co for lovely tips, goodies and invites delivered straight to your inbox. And if you loved what you heard, rate and review us on iTunes. Much love to you all. Catch you on the next episode.